Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Imagine this, you're a lawmaker. All right, recording now. Let's say a senator. Jeff Flake, uh, I represented Arizona in the Senate uh, from 2013 to 2019. A former Republican senator, now ambassador to Turkey. But you get the idea. Uh, hey, thanks. And you're in the middle of negotiating a big piece of legislation. And the last thing you want to do is talk to a scrum of annoying reporters. Typically, if I wanted to avoid the media, uh, go outside. Media tends to congregate in the tunnel as soon as you, you get off the trolley, if you take it, or you near the Capitol itself. You're usually besieged by the press. And if you want to avoid that, you can avoid some of it, at least, uh, by going outside. So you slip quietly out the back door. That doesn't always succeed, but sometimes it works. And sometimes you have to take, uh, you know, tougher measures, go through the Capitol Visitor Center and, and slip up through the kitchen. <laughs> I've done that. And how far are you willing to go to avoid getting quoted? <laughs> you name it, I've tried it. I'm Rachel Babe. This is Playbook Deep Dive. Text members wait for answers and buy things I can't afford. <laughs> Capitol Hill is a habitat of cutthroat competition one minute. It's a pretty competitive beat. People are big about scoops around here. And congeniality the next. Well, I feel like this whole place kind of operates like a giant high school sometimes, but just watching the floor and the different cliques and everything, I always find kind of interesting. Where reporters are joined in a shared mission of tracking down and keeping members of Congress accountable. The hardest part of the journalism is knowing what's happening in the room before anybody out here actually figures it out. While lawmakers, like Blake, for example, do their best to keep control of what comes out and when. Sometimes you put your phone to your ear and act as if you're talking on the phone. It just depends on what the situation is. So today, a game of cat and mouse. Capitol Hill reporters reveal their tricks of the trade. It's not all glamorous, but there definitely are some bright spots. How they secure the one quote from a member that will make the story. Yesterday I was wearing this faux fur vest and someone was like, I like your vest. And I was like, great. Also, I have a question. <laughs> Let's take a recent Friday on Capitol Hill, the day the House finally passed its infrastructure framework after 11 p.m. Text husband, got to tell him, get the takeout. Earlier that day, our producers Annie, Annie? Yeah. Okay. Okay. and Carlos hey, I'm with uh, political oh, yeah, went to the place, The Hill, to follow the reporters who follow the lawmakers around for a living. Meta, I know. Yeah, I guess we're going to see and find out if we're going to be here over the weekend or late tonight. <laughs> there are dozens of reporters standing outside Nancy Pelosi's office. It's not looking good. Not looking good. Some in heels. I think my feet are just numb to pain at this point. We're talking two and a half inch heels. Two and a half inch heels today? They're actually lower than, I have a sprained ankle, so they're lower than my usual heels. It's one of the most demanding and physically grueling journalism jobs in Washington. And what do you get after all that waiting around? Usually you get just, you know, things are going good, progress reporting, blah, 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 as we chase after them. And waiting. There's a certain element of organized chaos. And waiting. Sometimes you are just really waiting around. And usually you get nothing. You know, you're going to be floating around for 90% of the time, and 90% of the time nothing happens, but you have to be there for that 10% of the time when something does happen. Until the member you're trying to chase comes out, and suddenly things go from zero to 100. Does the, does the speaker think she has the votes? Does the speaker have the votes? So you rush to get to the scrum, jostle for a good spot. 
hit record on your phone, and hope you get the quote you need. Eventually, the member escapes. I didn't actually see who came out because I was staring at my phone, but he stopped right there. I want to, is it toy? And everyone returns to their positions, leaning against the wall, filing their stories. So everyone's furiously texting now. Yeah, Annie, give me a <laughs> Nicholas Wu is a Congress reporter for Politico who knows the art of the scrum well. So everyone came back and figured out what exactly the heck was going on. They're going to be making a statement. Yes, he just—that was the only thing of substance there. And then the final vote would be for Build Back Better would be forthcoming, but she didn't say anything about that being today. It's first, you know, transcribing and figuring out what exactly was said. She said we're going to have two votes today: Biff first, followed by yeah. rule for Build Back yeah. Better. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then informing, uh, you know, other reporters and my my editors to let them know exactly what was going on and to sort out where we go from here. And then we tweet. Ah, yes, tweeting. The siren emoji deployed on Twitter. About what just happened. No, you never, you never, it never gets old around here. I mean, it is still really cool for me, having been here as a little kid, being a tourist, and now actually working around here. I'm so happy it's recess. Manu Raju is a longtime friend and colleague. Well, I am the chief congressional correspondent at CNN. I run around the hallways all day long and interview lawmakers as best I can. To give me the inside scoop of how news travels from here to prime time. Manu Raju is hot on the story. Good morning. Good morning, Carol. Manu and I were supposed to meet on the Hill, but instead of talking at the Capitol, we're outside. In a cafeteria parking lot? What was that, a sledgehammer? Yeah, it certainly <laughs> sounded like a sledgehammer. Why are we standing right now outside 400 North Capitol instead of inside the Capitol building? <laughs> yeah, suddenly there is a drill that's happening. U.S. Capitol Police is doing a big drill. I haven't seen this happen in a long time. What's the daily life of a Hill reporter like? And how would you say that's different than, say, a reporter who covers the White House or just politics generally? It is not just mentally draining, it's physically draining. Unlike any other beat, you are just on your feet all day long. And there's so much going on at the same time, as you know, Rachel. You have to know what to ask because you only have two minutes, maybe one minute, maybe ten seconds to ask a question to get a newsmaker to say something. And you have to be prepared. If you're not prepared, it's a big problem. I'll just walk you through what happened on Friday which was just one of the most intense days of work I've had in a long time. And the latest I left for since January 6th. We begin tonight with an absolutely unforgettable Friday on Capitol Hill. The House of Representatives tonight has awarded President Biden a major component of his economic agenda. I got in at 9.20 to be prepared for my first live shot. And then, you know, I was outside Nancy Pelosi's office until about... One in the afternoon, just on my feet the whole time. Oh, hey. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. It's a crazy day. We're doing live shots in between. We're reporting. We're talking to members. We're sending in reporting. Is there going to be a vote tonight, sir? Then we heard there was a Congressional Progressive Caucus meeting. So I went to the CPC meeting in Longworth. And that meeting went forever. It started at 4. And it didn't end until 10. So all of a sudden, they decide they're going to have the vote. And it's like, what, 11 at night? Well, the whole day was a cluster Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and I had not even sat down. I barely ate, and I am you know doing live shots in between and reporting and writing. And so, by the time I got home, it was one o'clock, and I was just drained. I mean, that's an extreme example of it, but it is pretty common to just be running around all day like that. 
I often tell people about this one time I tracked Lisa Murkowski for literally several hours one day in three-inch heels, and I came home with quarter-size blisters uh, <laughs> on both of my feet. I don't know uh, how you do with heels. That's um, impressive. Well, the smart reporter does not wear them on Capitol Hill. <laughs> What's the longest you've ever been on the hill at once, and have you ever had to, like, sleep there? Mm. I've never nap? had to sleep there. I have been on the hill up until, like, 2 or 3 in the morning. I don't think I've been there till sunrise the next morning. Uh, but I think the longest was January 6th. Now, we have been told and we have been, there have been spotted protesters are inside the Capitol building. To protect the Constitution of the United States against enemies foreign and domestic! There are uh, scores of protesters, we're told. I'm not sure exactly how many. If you recall, of course, if you all recall, but, like, they came back after the insurrection. They came back and did all the debate on the House floor and Senate floor that night on those two objections. I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. And those were, took hours to dispense with those. So by the time they were out of the Capitol... The vice president, the president need to speak up more forcefully against what happened today. It was late. I think it was like 2 or something like that, 2 or 2.30. And then I think I remember walking out with my colleague, Ted Barrett, and we took a picture in front of the Capitol. It was you know, three in the morning or something. And then they wanted me back up live at eight o'clock or maybe it was seven o'clock. I can't even remember. So it was, I was up for new day the next morning. So I got a, two hours of sleep, got ready, ate breakfast and came back in and pretty much went from there. I was going to say, how does this impact your sort of personal life? I mean, I know what, I... Personal life? What? Exactly. <laughs> What's <say>. that? <laughs> pretty much spending my birthday here. At some point, I will be able to leave. My mom's visiting from out of town and my sister as well. So um, so it's been a long time for either of any of us <laughs> um, to have sort of normal work-life balance. You know, I have two kids and I try to spend as much time with them as I can on the weekends um, and with my wife too. But like, you know, we... I try to, as best I can, have at least one day of just decompressing, if it's possible. And this is to say nothing of holidays and how many deadlines in Congress come right around holiday season. Every single time. Every single time. It's like there's always a holiday that gets blown up. I mean, they're talking about the November 15th CBO deadline for the Build Back Better bill, but... That's probably going to be pushed to Thanksgiving week. And then there goes our Thanksgiving. And then the December 3rd deadline is probably going to be pushed closer to Christmas. That's the hard part because everyone else has got a normal job. This past Friday night was is a big you know Indian holiday. This past week was Diwali. And uh, my family was all at a really fun friend's Diwali party this past Friday while I was sitting outside the Longworth building in the drab hallways there waiting for members to come out to ask them what was going on with the infrastructure vote. So, yeah, that's, this is the life we chose. This is an exhausting job, obviously. So why do you do it? I do love it. I mean, it's a, it, can, it is exhausting. It is frustrating at times. Things don't always go the way you want it. But what I like the best about it is that telling people something they don't know, you know, like learning some new piece of information that no one has heard before and presenting it for the first time to a reader, to a viewer, and helping them that shape the understanding of a person, of a story, of a, uh, something that's going on. And that really drives you. That re-energizes you. There's an etiquette to scrums. When he had clicked the vote on the bill back to the speaker, he has to vote. He just said he's short enough to get any of that. I think I got some of that. <laughs> um, I'm 
talk a little bit about that and maybe some no-nos that reporters sort of know on the Hill in yeah. terms of how you behave and when you wait your turn, yes. when you can go in. and Waiting your turn is really important. I mean, if you are in a one-on-one conversation with a member, typically you wait back, you wait for that member to finish, and then uh, you go up and you interview them after that reporter is done, typically. The reporters who are young and new and don't quite know the etiquette may see you talking to a senator and just stick their microphone in that senator's face, assuming that that is uh, appropriate. Well, it's really not because you're having a one-on-one interview. Now, when there's a big newsmaker and everybody's huddled around them, of course, it's fair game. Also, if you're in a gaggle of reporters, oftentimes it's a good idea. If I'm asking you a question, that I'm not the only one asking you a question, that the other reporters should chip in and ask questions too. You know, the Hill Press Corps is very collaborative. There's a lot of sharing of audio, especially during the pandemic with fewer reporters there. So a lot of people share audio, especially big newsmakers. And that still happens. I remember being up on the Hill for so long, you know which lawmakers come up, which elevators, how they, do they take the subway? Do they prefer to walk to the Capitol? How do you track these these senators? Yeah, that is so key. I mean, really knowing the paths of specific members because you have to you know essentially be a professional stalker you know and I, <laughs> no, I don't, right. you know it's it is you have to know what they're going to do what their general pattern is and people are, are creatures of habits so you have to understand their habits if i have to get a senator who's up for re-election i know where they go because they hide there's a, <laughs> yeah, there they is do. there's a back staircase in the first floor of the senate where they try to go in and out because there are fewer reporters there but if you need that senator, you wait outside there and you grab him or her. <laughs> no, Manu, he is a wily one. Jeff Flake knows a thing or two about Manu's tactics. He knows every trick. No, he's good. He really is. Uh, but he's very fair, and uh, I, I enjoyed my association with him. He's there in the trolley. He's there outside the elevator. Uh, he knows when you're trapped. While Manu and I were talking, I couldn't help but wonder what the perspective was like from the other side, what it's like to be the subject of a lot of reporter attention. For, for those who say they, you know, they don't enjoy it, they enjoy being in the limelight, uh, you wouldn't be in politics if you were ready to, to shun the limelight. Let's get real. There are days that you don't, and there are times that you don't, and the attention that it draws, if that leads to uh, you know, things like death threats or being shot at, uh, I've had both. You don't enjoy that, obviously. But having the, the press wanting to you know, talk to you, yeah, you enjoy that. Um, those who, who say they don't are probably fibbing to you. There are times where you, you simply can't move to where you want to go if you're uh, late for a hearing and uh, uh, you know there are cameras that uh, and, and people talking to you. I mean... Sometimes it gets a little excessive. But, you know, hey, we signed up for this job. But there are times uh, that it's happened to my colleagues or former colleagues uh, where it certainly was uh, unfair, uh, I think. And, and this isn't so much the press per se, but, uh, you know, with Kirsten Cinema, protesters following into a restroom, and there's just no place for that. So as far as the, the media goes, uh, they've... They've been pretty fair, but boy, when you get a big gaggle and you're trying to move uh, into a briefing or a hearing that you're late for, uh, then, then sometimes it, uh, it's tough. 
there are times when, you know, when you ignore the media, when uh, politicians will, if they're in the middle of negotiations, I'm sure a lot of this happened during the recent uh, negotiations on infrastructure. It certainly happened during the time of the Gang of Eight with, when we were doing immigration reform, uh, where you, you simply uh, don't want uh, things out. And it's not as if you're, you believe the media doesn't have a role, but uh, there, there is something two smoke-filled rooms <laughs> that are useful. And um, it, it's it's nice to keep some information uh, closely held, um, more so than the media would like, because it's their job to get it out. Uh, but uh, I think, uh, in the end, politicians recognize that sometimes you have to hold back. Hope there's something useful in there. Maybe a 15 seconds of it. <laughs> okay. Over time, these lawmakers, they get to know you. And you in particular um, have been up there for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think I remember seeing a video of John McCain giving you bunny ears during yeah. a live shot. Yeah. Or maybe it was a practice shot. I don't know. <laughs> that was live. Um, and then Jeff Flake uh, mm-hmm. said something funny to you one one time. Are there certain memories? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, John McCain and I had a hot and cold relationship. We were good for many years, and then he he got really mad at some story I did. And he came out. The next day, I had to ask him about something else, and he said to me, I am not talking to you. And then he wouldn't talk to me for months. And then I was in a gaggle with him. I asked McCain a question in the gaggle. He wouldn't even respond to my question. He was so angry at me. And then uh, Kelly Ayotte stepped in and filled the awkward silence and responded. But, you know, McCain came back. And by the time that, you know, as you mentioned, I was going live on t- national TV and he puts uh, bunny ears. Be- Actually, it was a devil horn he put behind my ear. <laughs> <laughs> Making devil ears behind CNN reporter Manu Raju. McCain then tweeted out the moment. After all these years, revenge. And he loved that moment. He said to me so many times, he said... That tweet was the that got the most retweets of any tweet in my entire career because <laughs> we tweeted it and he loved it so much and he said like finally revenge he like retweeted back to us and he got so many retweets and he was very very proud of that tweet. So we have seen relationships between politicians and reporters become more acrimonious since mm-hmm. the Trump years. Yeah. This morning you said the president traffic. What is wrong with you? Have you noticed that at all seep into coverage on Capitol Hill? Yeah, I have. I mean, I think particularly among some of the more conservative members in the House who kind of some of them taking the cues from Trump to be uh, as combative as they as they as Trump was towards the press, uh, which is, I think, unfortunate. Well, you support I disagree with the premise of your question. Well, the Texas no, no, lawsuit wait, 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 wait. I asked you, I, you ask me questions still. every week. I just asked you a question. Yeah, we're not going to be your friends. I mean, I'm not friends with members. I'm, I cover them. But some of them can be a little hostile. And so it's like there's no need to be hostile. What's one thing you think people get completely wrong about what it's like to cover Capitol Hill? People think that we're all covering the exact same story all the time. I mean, the reality is that we're covering, there's so many people covering different things. Yeah, there's the one big story, but there's so many other issues and so many other things. There's so many reporters asking 
very specific tax questions or energy questions or healthcare questions. There is more than just the press conferences you may see. There's just so much activity that's happening out in the hallways. You know, I say the circus comes back into town every Tuesday to Thursday, and that's true. <laughs> the Senate comes back Monday night, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, things are rocking up there, especially when the House is in session, too. So there's just it's just a, a wild scene for, until they get out of town, <laughs> which is why recess is welcome. Um, it's 10.37, so you got a live shot to yeah, too, right? Yeah, in a few minutes. But thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I enjoyed it, yeah. Political reporters' jobs is to cover, you know, policies, cover politics. There is no better way to cover how policy is made than to cover Capitol Hill. I mean, we follow the strong arming that goes on behind the scenes. Manu was talking about, you know, last Friday when he was going from you know, the, the progressive caucus, to going to Pelosi's office, to finding the moderates. We have to do this in order to show people how policies are made. Um, you know, if the progressives are flexing, that's going to impact something in a bill, which is going to impact everyday Americans. Same thing with the moderates. If they're saying they don't want a certain policy, paid leave, uh, you know, free college in a bill, um, we're the ones who are up there getting that story telling Americans, this is why you have what you have. Sometimes it might seem like turn-of-the-screw stuff that maybe everyday Americans are not following as closely. But if they want to know why their government is the way it is, there's no better you know, way to learn that than by following a Capitol Hill reporter. And that's our show. Our producers are Annie Reese and Carlos Prieto. Our senior producer is Jenny Ahmet. And our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. Mike Sappler is Playbook's daily newsletter editor. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you hear, subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen. And before you go, as world leaders are still in Scotland for the UN Climate Change Conference, Politico is bringing its inaugural Sustainability Summit to explore what it will take to go from making pledges to taking action. Join us next Tuesday for conversations aimed at finding the policy, political, and industrial changes needed to push climate action forward. Visit politico.com forward slash live dash events to register. Find the link in our show notes. I'm Rachel Bate. Thanks for listening. <laughs>